Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is your word. It's authoritative, Lord. Help us to see your word as as your word of love to us, of of how much you love us and what you have done for us. Help us to see Jesus in your word, in all your word. Lord, I pray that you would work in the hearts of each one of us here today, that your spirit would just move and draw out of each one of us a deeper love or maybe the first sign of a love for Jesus. Lord, have your way with us. We pray in Jesus' name. This is the first part of a series that uh, Dennis is going to be doing. He asked me to do the first, the first part just to lay the groundwork. Um, and I, I was very happy to do it because it ties in a lot with what our small group is studying. Um, it, our small group talks about the Jewishness of Jesus and how maybe we think we know Jesus based on our customs on our society, on our upbringing, and even our vocabulary. Um, But the Bible was written by Jews for Jews. It was the Gospels were written by Jews about a Jew and sent to Jews. And there's a, a richness and a deepness that sometimes is hidden by the English language and by the Americanization of of um, the English version and the uh, and the New Testament, and and a lot of the uh, the Old Testament is is in a cloud. We don't really focus on that so much because, hey, we're Christians, so all we need to know is Jesus. But if we want to know Jesus, we have to look at the Old Testament because that's where we find him. I'm sorry if this is too small for you to read. I I was ambitious and wanted to get it all on one slide. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, 
How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? This is the most amazing verse in the Bible sometimes to me. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I wish I was Cleopas. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to just sit there and have Jesus tell you? Let's look at this a little bit. Let's break it down a little bit. Now, that same day, that same day we're talking about, if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, it's the first day of the week. It's Sunday. It's two days after Jesus died on the cross. He's been in the tomb for two days. This is the third day. And these guys, these disciples, are out walking to Emmaus. So maybe we're thinking, well, okay, they've gotten over it. They're going on with their life. They've got business to do, and, and maybe that's the way it was. They're heading to Emmaus for some reason. We don't know why. And, about, and they're walking along, and they're talking about all that had happened. And maybe you're picturing it like this. Hey, Cleopas. Yes, unnamed disciple? <laughs> I've been thinking about all that happened. Yeah? What? I was thinking, remember when Jesus uh, went into the temple and he saw the money changers and he made that whip and started whipping everybody and driving them out? And he's like, yeah, that was cool. That was so cool. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, okay. You know what else I was thinking about? Yeah, what? I was thinking about Judas. Yeah, remember when he betrayed Jesus with a kiss? Oh, man, that was so not cool. Ah, oh, man, that, that really sucked. Hey, you know what I was thinking about, Cleopas? Remember when Jesus was in the garden and they came to arrest him? And he said, I am he? And they all fell on their butts? <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, that was cool. Do you think that's how they were walking? I don't. Really? I think sometimes, um, as American Christians, we look at these verses that we read and go, oh, that was cool. Jesus really gave it to him. Wasn't that cool? And then we just forget about it. But these guys, these are two disciples who, if you read through this, this verse, which we just did, these verses, they had been with the apostles. They had been in hiding with them when the women came back and said, the body's not there anymore. We saw angels, and he, they said Jesus is alive. They had been there. They were faithful disciples. They didn't scatter when Jesus got killed. They hung with the apostles, and they were just heartbroken. They were confused. I mean, if we read down again, it says, we had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped. That means their hope had just been crushed. Crushed. And they're, what do you have to go, go for now? I mean, you had all this hope in this guy that he was going to lead your country out of slavery to the Romans. That's what they thought. And now he's dead. So you're totally deflated. You have nothing really to inspire you. So you're just going on with your life and they're walking along. You've got to imagine this seven-mile journey, which I just took a walk last yesterday afternoon. It was about four miles and it, it took over an hour. So these, and I was moving and I got good comfortable shoes and these guys were walking on sandals on these dirt roads, windy roads and everything. So if they're going to walk seven miles, it's going to take several hours to do. And they're probably just trudging along they're moping. <laughs> they're, they're talking about 
what about the promises? What about this? And I mean, he did this. What? They have so many questions, so many, so many, so much turmoil going on inside them. And they're probably walking along, trying to avoid confronting anybody, seeing anybody. If you had just spent, you know, three years following this guy who claimed to be the Messiah, and all of a sudden the the religious leaders said, no, let's kill him instead, you're not going to be looked on as somebody that uh, people respect. You're going to be either looked on as a fool, oh, this is one of those guys who followed that Jesus, or you might be beaten up because (laughs) these people were passionate about their, their... their religion, about their, uh, yeah, their religion. Maybe not so much God, but about their religion. So if somebody said he was God and he turned out to be a fake and they killed him, this guy was following, uh, you know, a fake God. Let's beat him up. I mean, so these guys are walking along and they could have been humiliated and they probably felt humiliated. But as they're walking along, Jesus comes up. They're hoping that nobody talks to them, but of course Jesus comes up and says, what are you discussing as you walk along? And it says, they stood still, their faces downcast. They're like, oh great, now we got to tell them what we're talking about. And they're thinking, here comes the abuse, we're going to get ridiculed. So they kind of dodge the question. Cleopas says, are you the only one who doesn't know what's going on today? He doesn't even say it. And then Jesus Jesus always asks the best questions. He says, what things? So they're like, okay, maybe this guy isn't going to really judge us. He doesn't really know what's going on. Let's just tell him what happened. And if you read this, you can feel it all just start to pour out of them. It goes, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over. They crucified him, but we had hoped that he was one. And then they're talking over each other. And what is more, it is the third day and all this took place. In addition, some of the women, these guys are just pouring it out. They've been, it's been boiling inside of them, all this confusion, and they just let it all out. And the next thing they hear is, how foolish you are. Oh, and they're like, oh, here comes the abuse. We're a bunch of losers. <laughs> But he says, how foolish you are and slow to believe all that the scriptures have spoken. And they're like, wait, what? Did not the Messiah have to suffer all these things and then enter his glory? And like I said, this is the amazing verse I love. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures, all the scriptures concerning himself. So when he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. When he says Moses, he doesn't mean just the story of Moses. He means, and Jesus supports the traditional understanding that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He's saying the law, whether it was actually Moses who wrote it, Jesus accepts that traditional view that Moses wrote the first five books, the Torah. And he said, beginning, the the whole law talks about me, and all the prophets talk about me, and this is what they said. It's like, yes. So we're going to take a little bit of a look. Why don't we look at Moses a little bit? There are different ways that the Bible 
reveals Jesus. Some of them are prophecies. Some of them are analogies. Some of them are contrasts. Some of them are a story that gets fulfilled. Some of them are... Um, well, I said promises that are fulfilled. Here's a little comparison. Moses was a shepherd, an actual sheep guy, shepherd, but then he also led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He was the shepherd of the people. Jesus was a shepherd of the people. Moses was chosen to lead the people of Israel out of the bondage to the Egyptians. It should have been. Jesus was God's chosen son. He was chosen to lead the people from the bondage to sin. Moses hid in Egypt as a child. His parents had to hide him because he was under a death sentence for being a boy. Jesus hid in Egypt when the angel told Joseph to take him because Herod was going to try to kill him. Moses fasted on the mountain when the Lord gave him the law for 40 days. Jesus fasted 40 days in the desert. Moses selected and sent out 12 spies into the land, one for each tribe. Jesus selected 12 disciples, sent them out into the world. Moses' first plague was turning water into blood. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. Fifty days after Moses celebrated the Passover, the law came down to him, and he came down, and the people were worshiping the calves, and 3,000 were slain. Jesus, 50 days after the Passover, after he died, the Spirit came down, and the apostles preached, and 3,000 were saved. Old Testament, New Testament, like a mirror image in this case. So let's go back a little farther than Moses. If we're going to go back into the, all the Old Testament, Joseph. Joseph was one of the sons of Jacob. And Joseph was a firstborn son. It's not the father who determines who the firstborn son is. It's, the Bible says the firstborn son of every womb is, belongs to God. So it's the, it's the mother, the mother who has their first son that gets born, the firstborn child, if it's a boy, is dedicated to the Lord. So Joseph was the firstborn son of Rachel to Jacob. Jesus was the firstborn son to Mary. Joseph was taken into Egypt. Jesus was taken into Egypt. They were both disrespected by their brothers, both rejected and condemned, both resisted temptation, both suffered rejection, stripped. Jesus was mocked in the purple robe, like Joseph had that many-colored robe that his father gave him, ripped off of him and smeared with blood. They're both given authority, Joseph, to save the people from the famine, to to uh, store away the grain and, and provide for the people. And um, Jesus given authority at the beginning of his ministry, All both of these at the age of 30. Joseph sold by his brothers for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus sold by a disciple for 30. They encountered two people in, together, Joseph in prison. One was saved, one was stayed condemned. Uh, yeah, was condemned. And Jesus encountered two people on the cross. One was saved and the other condemned. Both declared dead, at least in uh, uh, Jacob's mind and his brother's wishes. He wasn't really dead, but he he was dead to the family. 
and then restored. Jesus was literally dead and resurrected. Again, more some mirror images, not exactly alike, but similarities, analogies. So let's go back a little further from Joseph. Isaac, the son of Abraham. Both he and Jesus were promised sons. They were both miraculously conceived. Sarah was beyond the age of childbearing. It just was not possible. But the angel said, a year from now, or the Lord said, a year from now, she will have a son. And she did, Isaac. And Jesus was the promised son to a virgin. And she had a son. Isaac carried the wood for his own sacrificial death. If you think about it, a lot of people imagine Isaac as being like a six-year-old, eight-year-old, carrying a few little sticks of wood. If you want to burn a sacrifice, you need a lot of wood. I mean, you need a lot of wood. So a lot of Bible uh, scholars believe that Isaac was actually probably 18 to 25 years old. And when he carried the wood, he had this big hunkin' pack of wood on his back. And of course, if that is true, and he was going up to the mountainside and his father said, okay, and I'm going to tie you up and, and kill you, he could have fought his father easily. His father was 100 years old. Or maybe 80 at this time, I forget what. I think he was 100. But easily he could have fought that off and said, no, this is not going to happen. But he submitted to his own father's will to be killed. Jesus carried the wooden cross, and he submitted to his own father's will. Isaac was to be sacrificed on Mount Moriah. They, they went for a, day, a couple days' journey, and they, they went to this area, and they saw this hill, and God said, that's where I want you to sacrifice your son to me, Abraham. So Mount Moriah turns out to be where the actual temple that Solomon built, right on top of that. And if you look at the maps that um, you can find online, um, the place where Jesus was crucified, Mount Calvary or Golgotha, the place of the skull, was originally right outside the wall of, the, um, of Jerusalem, but it's only like 1,500 feet from where Isaac was to be sacrificed. So God, God is just consistent. He's just God. And we should go back to the beginning, Adam. Adam failed the test in the garden, and we received the sinful nature and condemnation. Jesus passed the test in the garden, and we received forgiveness of sin and salvation. Here's the very beginning, and this is where Jesus is promised. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God's saying to Satan, the serpent, you're trying to mess this up, but my son is going to come and be victorious and crush your head. He's going to destroy all, your, all that you're doing, all you're trying to mess up here. Let's look at a couple more. That's all the, the law. That talked about the law. Now we have some psalms. We have the worship part of scripture, the, the, the poetry, the music, the, the, the pouring out of, of people's hearts. And we have these verses that stand out. 
They stand out because these, this, this psalm was written a thousand years before Jesus was born, before Jesus died. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by people, by everyone, despised by people. All who seek me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that terror their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You laid me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. If you ever heard the Gospels or read one of them, you all the... <laughs> it's the crucifixion, if you look at this. It's a, it seems so obvious. But if you didn't, if you never read the Gospels, or you never thought about it... But I am a worm. Worm talks about... Worm is a word similar um, and synonymous, I believe, with scarlet or crimson. And... Um, it is believed that it represents sin, blood, you know, sin, sin and blood, the blood that needed to be shed. Um, he was not a man. He, he was a man, but he was God. He was scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They hurled insults, shaking their heads. The Jewish leaders were saying, if he is God, why doesn't he come down and save himself? He saved others. They're actually saying he did save others, but then they're still rejecting him as God, as the Messiah. He saved others. Let him save himself. Their hearts were so hard. Again, it goes down. Many bulls surround me. Bulls, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Bashan was a very lush and rich area where any animals that you grew there got really big and strong and healthy, and it is looked on at that it symbolizes the, the Roman armed soldiers who mocked him and, and beat him. Uh, and they encircled him. And to encircle, that root word talks about, it's actually the same word as crowning. The strong bulls of Bashan crowned me, and they, they were the ones who put the, the thorn crown on his head. Roaring lions tear their, that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. And all the rest of the description of, actually matches a description of, of crucifixion, where you're stretched out, your hands and your feet are pierced, you've been lying, hanging there, sweating, bleeding, and your mouth is so dried out, you can barely make any sound. And crucifixion hadn't been invented for close to a thousand years. It's a thousand years in the future, and they're, they're picturing the, the crucifixion happening right here. One of the prophets, Isaiah. I hope you can read that. Who has believed our message? 
and who has the arm of the Lord, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave of the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, by knowledge of him, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he pours out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressor, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. As we look at all this scripture, this is just part of it. We don't have time to look at all the Old Testament and see where Jesus is pointed out. But we can be like my poorly done acting job here of two disciples walking and think, oh, that's so cool. Look at all that. That that matches up. That's really cool. Or we can do something else with it and actually internalize it, actually understand what it means for us. There's a... Here's a, a small list of other things that happened in the Old Testament. Like I said, we don't have time to, to talk about all these, but as we consider the Old Testament, all the promises that were promised, the prophecies, the, the, the analogies, the, all of it focused and came to one person at one time, the only time that it all could have happened, and that is Jesus Christ. If you had, do not believe in Jesus Christ yet as your Lord and Savior, this is the day, this, this is your opportunity to, to decide. I've seen all this. I believe it. I want to know Jesus. If that is your position now, don't leave today without talking to someone saying, I want to believe, I believe, because the gospel says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and proclaim him with your mouth, you will be saved. Today is the day you can be saved. You can have eternity in heaven. 
putting your faith in the one that was promised and the one who fulfilled all those promises. Let's go back to the disciples. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. These are the people with the eleven. It is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. And the two men told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You look at this, Jesus just filled them in on this two-hour-plus walk about all the things that were revealed in Scripture, just like I, I tried to do here. I'll give you a little taste of what that was. That Here it is. This is the plan. I fulfilled it. And he, they say here, our hearts were burning in us. It wasn't just a, a mind thing about, oh, that's a cool fact. I can't wait to tell this guy about that. That would be interesting. It was, they took it, not just for their head, but their heart. It burned inside. It resonated. It, it took root. And I want that to happen to each one of us. I pray that it happens to each one of us, that we understand that Jesus is in the whole Bible. The Old Testament is filled with promises of him, telling who he, who he was and what he was going to do. And the New Testament is him fulfilling all those. So Jesus is about to go on pretending to go on, it's a, but they, they invite him to stay with him. Jesus, come in, stay with us. And Jesus accepts, and he comes in, and he eats with them. And if, if you know anything about eating a meal together from the, old, from the Bible times, it was a very significant thing. It was an intimate thing. You didn't just eat with anybody. It kind of linked you in some way. Um, So Jesus ate with them. They invited him in. He ate with them. He fellowshiped with them. And then he broke the bread, and they recognized him, which means he revealed himself to them. Please invite Jesus in. He will come in. He will fellowship with you. He will reveal himself to you. If you have no past time that you put your faith in Jesus, let it be today. And if you are an old-time Christian, if you've been a Christian for years, and maybe you've heard it all, and maybe maybe your love has kind of cooled a little bit, or you, you're too busy doing the, I'm talking to myself here, doing the church stuff, and, and you've lost that first love, study the Old Testament, look for Jesus in it, study the New Testament, look for Jesus in it, understand that he is the one that, the only one who could do all that he did. And here it is. Jesus is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. 
And this Moses writes about the righteousness by law, you know, do not say in your heart. That's all about, there's no other way that this is going to happen. Jesus did it. It's already done. You don't have to do anything else except, except the word that is near you. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Do that today. Tell your neighbor, your wife, your husband, your friend, whoever, I, I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you will be saved. And those of us who are Christians, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they, call, they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I don't have beautiful feet, but I'm bringing you the good news. Jesus is Lord. And that is everyone's here's job. That is our job as Christians. We are to bring that good news to people because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the Messiah. So as the series goes on, Dennis is going to expand on this. Um, he may not be using as many scriptures that I did because he's better at talking than I am. So. <laughs> um, I just want to pray over all of you now, please. Close your eyes. Heavenly Father, you, knew, you know us. You know each one of us. You know, you know our innermost thoughts. You know our innermost desires. You know our innermost fears. You know of any hesitation we, we might have of, of confessing you as our Lord, that we would... Lord, we turn to you and we ask you to have your spirit move on our hearts to strengthen us to, to actually step out and believe, to tell someone, the spirit touched my heart today. I feel the burning. I, I want Jesus to be my savior. I need to believe. Confess with your heart and you will be saved. Lord, I pray that you will, your spirit will move here today and, and work on the hearts of those who may not know you work on the hearts of those who have loved you for many years but maybe have just gotten too busy doing the stuff of of church or of life and have lost that passion to to share your your name your glory your your gospel help us surrender to your uh, your love that awesome love that you've demonstrated and you will empower us lord you will you will be with us and you will reveal yourself to us. Lord, I thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. Pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.